Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a Schedule you can bet on. We're drafting the National Fantasy Football Championship draft. One of the live 60s tonight. Here we go, guys. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it, spring from the haters. Got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero don't need the same music. No one man can have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. Broken, the school's closed, the prison's open We ain't got nothing to lose, everybody we One bleeds red And one bleeds blue Two friends One heated rival It's intense It's no holds barred It's game time On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio With your host. Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Johnson uh, fell to uh, sixth uh, 
it looks like, uh, you know, I, I mean, I can't, I can't believe he fell that far. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, Aaron Foster, uh, he's just going to continue to improve on a very good team. And uh, Chris Johnson, uh, I don't know if he's going to com- improve or do whatever he did last year. If he did what he did last year, well, then that's okay. So that's why I'm taking Arian Foster. All right, the number for the program, 347-324-5404 is the number. We're up to the 10 pick. Billy Waz, Billy Wasofsky, one of the veterans and Hall of Fame members here of the uh, National Fantasy Football Championship is on the clock. Uh, LaShawn McCoy just went, and uh, Billy Waz takes the first quarterback in the draft with Aaron Rodgers. We hope to speak to him soon. I'm going to go ahead and bring in the guest of the program, uh, Jim Day, Fantasy Taz, one and only. Jim, can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine, Scott. How you guys doing? How you doing, Mike? Hey, how's it going? Uh, nice pick there with Foster. I, I love him at number one. I had to. I had to. I mean, I stewed over all day long, and, you know, it was just one of those things that you got to do. I agree. All right, well, I'm finally on the clock now. It's a 60-second clock. Hakeem Nix was the object of my affection. Uh, and, uh, you know, just to see him go one pick in front of me, I, I hope that's not a trend uh, for what we're about to witness the rest of the night. Um, but, uh, hey, it is what it is. We've got to roll with the punches. We need to make a pick here. We're going to go ahead and take uh, a guy that we were hoping uh, we could get tonight. We're going to go ahead and try to make some noise, uh, make some noise in this draft and try to make a statement uh, in this uh, in this draft. We're going to take who we feel will be the best quarterback in the draft in 2011, and that's Michael Vick. Uh, could he have fell to 2-3? Possibly. Could he have fell to 3-3? Possibly. I'm not taking that chance tonight. I'm going to start off my draft with Michael Vick. Team Dunn, Rich Dunn takes Maurice Jones-Drew. Jim, tell us about... Uh, some of the picks that you're seeing in this first round. Well, I really like, uh, you know, so far I think Greg Dietzler got the, the steal of the first round with LaShawn McCoy at number nine. Uh, I expect some big things out of McCoy this year. Um, I can't fault you at all with going Vic there with Rodgers going two picks ahead of you. Somebody's going to grab him quick. And in a draft master format, Vic is gold because you know he's going to have great games. And you don't have to worry about the injury so much because your depth will take care of the games he's not there. But he's going to be the guy who's going to average the most points for games played. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. Calvin Johnson went to Scott Schutte at number eight. That was a nice pick. Wayne Ellis, uh, who's, who's hosting the draft board tonight for all the fans, uh, takes Roddy White at number seven. Jim, there's a lot of people that think that, ooh, there went Darren McFadden. That was another guy that I was hoping to take. Uh, okay. Uh, Wayne Ellis takes Roddy White. Jim, Julio Jones is in town. They drafted Julio Jones to be a number one pick uh, or, or pay the first round a number one wide receiver one price for him. Talk about that pick and what do you expect? Uh, how is that going to impact Roddy White? I don't think it impacts Roddy White at all. In fact, I think it may help him having a good, solid receiver across from him. You know what? Uh, Roddy White has such a great rapport with Matt Ryan right now, it's not going to matter. By loosening up those defenses, 
Now what you're going to see is he may get a few less chances, Roddy White, I mean. He may get a few less chances, but he might be more productive with those fewer chances because they won't be able to just drape two or three defenders on him every play. Mike, you've got a long back in, in this format. The NFFC, uh, when you have the number one pick, uh, just to get everybody up to speed, there's something called third-round reversal, and you have the last pick of the second round, and usually you follow that back up with that quick 2-14-3-1 turn. You have to actually wait all the way to 3-14 before you get that 3-4 turn. Talk about how that uh, might impact your strategy coming up here in a few picks. Was that for me or for Mike? I'm sorry. That was for Mike, but we might have uh, we might have lost Mike. He might be deep. No, in the no, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm just. Uh, it's it's going to definitely impact uh, the way I the way I look at things. Uh, I'm just right now. I'm just taking the uh, the best player on the board. You know, I, I'm looking at it uh, when you're drafting in a one spot. It's very difficult to uh, sit there and go, okay, well, what can I take here? What can I take there? Uh, right now, I'm I'm just looking at the best two players uh, on the board that I can take, and then once I come down to uh, rounds uh, five, six, seven, that's when I got to start uh, figuring out uh, which kind of position that I want to take. Jim, uh, we've got a, a pick that just came off the board, Greg Jennings, uh, by Get Paddled, and uh, for Get Paddled, that's Greg Diesler. Talk about Greg Jennings because a lot of people feel that he's a uh, his his legitimate number wide receiver one ranking is being a little question with the presence of Jermichael Finley. If you look at the games that he had last year with Jermichael Finley in the fold, he wasn't the top option even on his offense, and so Finley was. So, what do you what do you expect from Greg Jennings with uh, Driver uh, possibly in a twilight here, um, and Aaron Rodgers obviously, you know, the number one quarterback in the league. I, I still expect big things from Jennings. When when you have a quarterback like Rodgers or Peyton Manning, you know, their guys are going to get their numbers, and Jennings is going to get his. Uh, you know, we saw a, a dip a little bit, especially with touchdowns with Finley in there, Jermichael Finley in there. But I, I, I don't think that's going to be a, a year-long thing. You're going to have some spurts where Finley gets hot, and then you're going to have some spurts where Jennings gets hot. But overall, over the course of the year, Jennings is going to have some good games, and he's still a great pick in the draft master format. Mike's getting ready to come up on the clock. Mike is uh, back at the NFFC this year after taking a one-year hiatus, and he's uh, he's back in the NFFC officially this year. He's got a pick coming up. It's going to be interesting to find out what kind of value is there when you're waiting that long time for 28 picks to get another guy. Let's talk about Jeff Clampett here for a second. Starts off, I love this start. You get Larry Fitzgerald, who, you know, let's face it, even in a down year uh, and with a quarterback, he's still got it done. He's a definite stud, one of the best wide receivers in the game. You get him with the 14 pick. You follow that up with a player like Darren McFadden, who had a career year, uh, you know, his breakout party, Jim, uh, 230 carries, 45 receptions or so. Now, in this league, it is important to note you only get a half a point for running back reception. So that does kind of – take those guys down a little bit of a notch. So if you're getting 60 catches like LaShawn McCoy or maybe even 70, you're coming back down to the 30, 35 range for points. But Larry Fitzgerald, Darren McFadden, you start a draft like that and you get the 29th pick, you're sitting pretty. Oh, absolutely. Again, McFadden is another guy I love in this format. 
just because, uh, you know, he may have those couple of games you lose towards injury, but it doesn't matter here. You're still going to get a ton of big games out of him, and those are the ones that you really want. You, in this format, you're looking for those guys that are going to explode on certain weeks because those are the guys you want on your team because the more guys you have that have big playability, the more weeks you're going to have big play score. Mike's getting ready to get up on the clock, but let's go ahead and turn our attention to these players that are in this draft. Uh, we have Mike Gustafson, excuse me. We've got Mark Cerebro. We've got Mark Pitch, John Haskell, Henry Muto, Wayne Ellis, Scott Schutte, Greg Diesler, Billy Wasowski, Glenn Lowy, myself, Scott Atkins, Rich Dunn, and Jeff Clampett. Uh, there's a lot of names that folks recognize in the world of high state fantasy football, and there is the cover boy. For John Madden this year, Peyton Hillis at the 210 pick. You know, it was kind of funny. I was sitting here thinking to myself, by John Haskell, by the way, $100,000 better because of last year's Fantasy Football Players Championship that he took home. I was kind of thinking that in an alternate universe, I might have Peyton Hillis fall to me. Uh, Jim, John Haskell uh, takes Ray Rice and Peyton Hillis to start the draft. Two running backs right off the bat. What do you think about uh, a running back, running back strategy in this format? Um, it, it's not bad because, again, you got the third round reversal. So he's going to have the first pick in the third round. So he's still going to be able to get a decent wide receiver there. It's not like if he fell to the end of the third again, he'd really be you know, in a bad shape at wide receiver. He's still going to get a decent wide receiver. As a matter of fact, he's up in a, a few picks. Um uh, oh, no, John Haskell. I'm sorry. I'm getting confused. I'm thinking of Clampett. It, it's hard following this. Um, no, that's okay. No, that's okay. Yeah, it is, it's John Haskell. He picked at 1-5. Right, 1-5 and then up, 2 10. He'll be back up at 24, and he'll be back up at 38. Right. Um, I, I still can't fault it. Again, Peyton Hillis is a guy that a lot of people are down on, but I'm not one of them. Uh, I think it, we're, we're going to end up seeing, if not the same type of year out of Hillis, we may see a slight increase. Uh, I'm not afraid of Ontario Hardesty stealing his job. I'm sorry. I like Hardesty, but he just can't stay healthy. And Hillis has done a great job for them. There's no reason to make that change. If he goes the full year, which I think he will, I think he ends up at least with the numbers he had last year. So I'm not one of those guys down on him. All right, it's going to be very interesting. Mike is on the clock with his uh, his second pick in the, the last pick of the second round, pick 28. It's very interesting to see Diesel go with Drew Brees and Gordon Gecko. Uh, Mark Cerebro goes with a, a quarterback himself in Phillip Rivers. So you've got four quarterbacks off the board, four teams decided on their quarterback. Oh, make that five. Michael Trent just took Tom Brady. Wow. Five quarterbacks off the board. Uh, so five teams felt it was important to lock down. Uh, again, this league you do get six points per passing touchdown, uh, so that's uh, that's interesting to see five teams went with quarterbacks. To be honest with you, I didn't know how quick quarterbacks would go, Jim, because, well, let's face it, you know, you do have the fact that you can do quarterback by committee in this league and still post a real solid score week to week, so if you get three middle guys, let's say Eli Manning, um, Matt Stafford, and maybe somebody down the road past that, like uh, Matt Castle or Kevin Cox, you can still have a stud going every single week and not worry about it. I'm on the clock, so I'm going to let you talk about that, Mike, your pick, Tom Brady, in the second round. Yeah, you know what? I want to go ahead and uh, get a quarterback uh, real quick, and uh, then I turned around and uh, got another running back. 
you know, I, I kind of feel scared about the, in the position of uh, where I'm in. Uh, I have to get two picks right away, and the one thing I wanted to go ahead and do was uh, solidify a quarterback, and I felt like that Tom Brady was the best available at that at that spot. Uh, there's going to be a lot of wide receivers and running backs left uh, down the road, and, you know, I don't know what you guys think, but uh, I felt like that that was the uh, best thing for me to do. See, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, there's a, already a quarterback run, uh, and I'll tell you, I, I'm usually the guy that, that holds off on them. There's a lot of depth at quarterback, and Scott was talking about it before. If you come out of this with a guy like Eli, Eli Manning and maybe a backup at, of like a Joe Flacco, um, I mean, with those two guys, you're going to get solid production each and every week. You, you may get a few more points out of Brady, but I'd probably – earn more getting a good, solid running back or wide receiver there, uh, a bigger difference than the guy you would get where I draft my quarterback. So it's all how you look at it. I mean, the quarterbacks are flying off this board. The, the guy that, that's going to come out of this draft as the winner is the guy who's going to wait till round seven or eight to take his starting quarterback and then come around a, a round or two later and grab a backup. Yeah, you know what? You know, I can see that. It just uh... – it just depends on your personal preference. Just like me, I, I, I just uh, I've never been a big tight end fan. I, I don't I, I don't like to go after the tight end right away. So uh, I might get burnt on that. And there's going to be a tight end run real soon. Yeah, That's all right, buddy. That's all right. We're uh, we're doing the best we can here. Interesting discussion. Uh, Gordon Gecko bringing up. That in this format, six points per passing touchdown, you need a quality quarterback or you end up roadkill. So, uh, you know, he did believe in that strategy and took Phillip Rivers. It sounded like he wanted Drew Brees because he got kind of heated at Mark uh, for taking Drew Brees just one pick earlier. You love to snipe somebody like that. Glenn, Glenn Lowy goes ahead and takes Peyton Manning in the third because he's got a long way back. He has to wait all the way to pick 53, and he, and he starts to see that there may be an end of a tier there if you don't get Peyton Manning, you're coming down and maybe getting somebody like uh, you're going to that tier with uh, Romo and Roethlisberger and those guys. So, uh, but there's still yeah, a lot you know of what that, that tier that tier is going to score maybe two, maybe three points a game less. And you're going to get them a couple of rounds later, which means you can solidify your running backs and wide receivers. You know, I just unless you're in a two. Start two quarterback league. I, I just can't see going quarterback early this year. I'm just not something I'm a fan of. Well, you know, something that I uh, that I uh, pretty much put my radar on was I, I, I figured I need four quarterbacks, four tight ends, and four kickers. Believe that or not, uh, because you know it never fails that uh, they're going to get hurt. Those three positions are going to get hurt. I can fill the rest of the wide receivers, uh, running backs, and, uh, you know, everything else in. But I need those. So that's why I pretty much drafted a quarterback as high as I did. Okay. I can, you know, I can understand the four quarterbacks. I'm not quite so sure I'd go so heavy on the, the kickers. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's well. just me. Yeah, it's a thirty-round draft, so it is going to take. Uh, you know, you're going to you're going to go through this run later in the draft of defenses. You don't want to get shut out there. You're definitely going to want to get two. 
Uh, hope for uh, you can't get three. Everybody can't get three. Look, just do the math. Fourteen times three. You're not going to get it done. But you got to yep. have two in this format. Same with kickers. You only got you're only going to be able to get two starting kickers, and that's going to put you at 28. So uh, 28 people are going to have two. And then you might you'll have uh, you know four more that maybe have three. If you have four, you're taken away from somebody else, Mike. So you know you could get a backup kicker. There's other. I mean, you can have injuries. It's a long, long draft. I mean, we're going to be we're going to be throwing out names like Jim Day here in a little bit, <laughs> just, you know, because we got to have somebody to go. But I, I mean, I'm real interested to see some of these strategies. I've got two guys in this draft, make that three now, that have nothing but running backs and are making it awfully thin on some of us that might have decided to wait on running backs. Uh, wow, uh, great pick. Rich, yeah, Rich Dunn took Maurice Jones-Drew, Frank Gore, and Ryan Matthews. Uh, Mike Gustafson took Jamal Charles and Bradshaw. He started off with two. And then John Haskell, the FFPC champ, Ray Rice, Peyton Hillis. And look at the value at picks 37 and 38, Stephen Jackson and yeah. Michael Turner. That is newsworthy right here. Stephen Jackson and Michael Turner fall into the end of the third round, Jim. What is scaring people away from Michael Turner? the fact that he doesn't catch passes, but the guy's going to get you double-digit touchdowns. He's probably going to get you 1,300 yards. Um, you know, for, for him and Steven Jackson to go that late behind Ryan Matthews, Javid Best, your, Jonathan Stewart, I just can't see that. Those, those two guys just got incredible value. Yeah. But I agree. I agree. They really, I mean, uh, I'm just looking at this going, uh, I, you know, I just can't believe it. I'm, well, Hey, that's what you see in these drafts. Sometimes they develop a, a pattern of their own because, let's face it, there were guys all around that second and third round that refused to take Michael Turner or Steven Jackson. Now, let, we can talk about why. We can talk about the decline of Michael Turner's yards per carry, the loss of the burst, the fact that he doesn't catch the ball, the, the drafting of a rookie running back to kind of complement things. Uh, they're going to spread the offense out. They're going to make it more Matt Ryan's team with these wide receiver attacks. Yeah, got a lot of things there. Now, that offense, they could open things up for Turner because they've been able to stack the line pretty good against him. You talk about him opening up. I mean, it's extreme value at that at that spot in the draft. John's going to love that. And then Steven Jackson. Let's talk about him for a second, Jim, because I know uh, Mike's got to think about his pick coming up here. He's on the clock. Steven Jackson at pick uh, 43, 37. Uh, that's, that's like the fourth round of a 12-teamer, man. And Steven Jackson – Look, they don't have any competition there. Now, obviously, they might bring in a Darren Sproles. I've heard something along that line. But you've got a new offense with Sam Bradford and, and uh, Josh McDaniels there that's really going to open things up. Steven Jackson, he's still got a lot left in the tank, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I've been grabbing Steven Jackson in, in the, the low to second round, you know, mid-second round in, in the drafts I'm in. So, to get him that late, I, I just I love that pick. I love that pick. Josh McDaniels is going to make this offense an offense, and I just think it's going to be across the board. These guys are going to put up points. All right, we are uh, we are nearing the end of the okay. The third round is over. Mike has taken Deshaun Jackson at three fourteen, right after Vincent Jackson wins. We saw Mark Colt, Marquez Colson go. Uh, Drew Brees number one target. There's a lot of uh, situations in dynasty football that have Colson's value lowering quite a bit. But to see Colson go at three eleven in a in a redraft league, there's there's a look, I mean, come on. Okay, he's had micro fracture, I think, uh surgery twice now in the knee, so 
you, you've had this, uh, you, you've had that uh, surgery uh, twice, but and that affects your dynasty long-term value. Maybe you won't be able to have the long-term career that a lot of wide receivers have, but but Jim Marquez Colson is Drew Brees' number one target, right? I mean, there's there's no oh, reason I, he should be falling that far. Absolutely, and the fact of the matter is, with with what they're doing in the health field right now, I mean, this microfracture surgery isn't anything what it used to be. I mean, these guys are coming back from it healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in, in better shape this year than he was last year. Um, you know, maybe it affects the dynasty outlook, but you're not caring about a dynasty outlook here. This is a redraft. So in right. this case, I mean, he's still got great value, especially with Drew Brees throwing to him. Well, I'll tell you, I, I have strong, strong feelings about how once players start to play dynasty football, how that affects their ability to draft the way they normally draft in redrafts. And it's very detrimental uh, to the redraft process until you figure out and you get the kinks worked out because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of dynamics at play when you're playing dynasty fantasy football. And Mike, I'll let you speak on this because you've been playing for several years now. Uh, the, the fact that you have to look for youth and you kind of dismiss the older players. You know, you would have never drafted a Thomas Jones. Well, look what kind of year he had last year. You know, you would never draft a, a Reggie Wayne too early in a in a dynasty league. But look at the look at the value you get. You know, with still Peyton Manning's number one target. Mike, you ended up taking uh, Jason Witten here. Uh, so you wanted a little bit of that cowboy pie. I know you're a cowboy fan. Yeah, I went ahead and did that because uh, I want to get the uh, one of the premier tight ends out of the way. And now I can work on, uh, I feel like I can work on uh, running backs and uh, wide receivers. You know, your two running backs, your two wide receivers, and, you know, kind of go from there. Uh, I just want to get the uh, running back, wide receiver, tight end that I feel like are going to be good, and obviously the quarterback with uh, Brady. So uh, set the foundation and then go from there. All right, we just saw Austin Colley off the board. We were waiting for that pick. We knew it was coming. We thought it might come in the third, but it came in the fourth. Wayne Ellis has started off with Roddy White, Miles Austin, Austin Colley, and Jermichael Finley taking a very strong approach to wide receivers, Jim. Do you, do you feel that he's going to be able to recover uh, at the running back position when he's not going to have a running back till at least no earlier than pick 64? Yes, uh, I do, because it's – Think about it. There's a lot of running backs out out there right now that are being undervalued because either they came in coming off injury or they're you know a little older and rookies have been drafted. When you're looking at guys like Pierre Thomas, Joseph Adai, Ryan Grant, uh, these are all guys that are still going to be viable, especially in a draft master. You don't have to pick when they play; they're just there. When they have their good games, you're going to get them no matter what. And these guys all become viable running backs at this point, and they're definitely going to be there later on. He started out. I, I mean, he's got three great wide receivers and one of the top tight ends already. So, I mean, he's already got a, a bunch of points coming his way steadily every week. I, I can't fault that start at all. Uh, we're seeing a lot of value come uh, this late in the draft because the quarterbacks went so early. Mike Williams of uh, Tampa Bay is off the board now, and he went at pick 51. We were looking at Mike Williams as a potential – picked uh, here at the uh, 4-12 mark for my team. I was looking at Mike Williams as a possibility there, but no more. He is off the board. Uh, there's uh, there's quite a bit of talent still here. I'm feeling pretty good about what the options that I'm seeing on the board 
some of these guys went running back crazy. Look at Rick Dunn. You know, obviously he's not going to take one. You know, I kind of like being right off of the turn. Not one away, but like two away. So I can kind of predict. Look at what they've done, Jim. I'm going to talk to you about this. Mike, You, you. I want you to comment as well. When you're near the turn like this, you can kind of play the turn to find out, you know, and kind of predict, take the position that they already, that they need, and then come back and get the position that you need uh, if, it, if there's an advantage there. Do you, guys, uh, do you guys have strategy when it comes to that? Oh, absolutely. You have to pay attention. You, you have to follow what the other teams are doing. If you're not, then you're only doing it half-assed. Um, you really got to get in there. You got to find out where they're going. You, you know, with most of these guys, if they've drafted before, uh, you know, I'm a little bit crazy that way because I, I tend to keep notes on guys I draft with in different leagues a lot and how they draft and what their tendencies are. And then I, I, I have that in the notebook so I can follow that. Um, and it, it definitely helps because there are guys, whether they like to believe it or not, get into definite tendencies when it comes to their drafting. And if you know their tendencies, you can absolutely use that against them. Yeah, I agree. You can steal somebody. You know, for a long time I thought that, uh, well, you you know, you can just draft your team the way you want it. But, uh, no, you have to you have to look at tendencies and uh, you have to look at trends on, uh, you know, who they're taking, who they've already taken. And, you know, that that's a, that's a thing to uh, kind of go with is, you know, if they've already taken uh, this many uh, quarterbacks, this many running backs, this many wide receivers, then you're you're good to go for for the next round or two. So, uh, you know, I do I, I do believe in that. I see Scott right. just grabbed Santonio Holmes. I, I like Santonio Holmes this year. I don't know where he's going to be playing, but he's going to get a full season in, and I just think he's one of the, the better talented wide receivers that's being – push down the, the charts for no real reason. Yep. Hey, guys, uh, I wanted to comment. There's some great chats going on in the uh, Red versus Blue chat room. We affectionately call these guys the crew, some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. One of the comments that Rude Awakening made, and we already talked about it, uh, he said they can't believe how far Steven Jackson fell. Uh, again, you look at this draft board, and, and, and to be honest with you, I think it's the highlight of the draft so far. Looking at how the draft board kind of came about, uh, there's a lot going on, and we're going to get to talking to all these guys and about all their strategies here. Mark Ingram off the board now with Rich Dunn. He's went with four straight running backs. So he said, Scott, I don't care what you think you're doing to me. You're not doing it. I'm taking four running backs. And uh, he gave us the middle finger salute right here. So he He's got four running backs off the board. Uh, but anyway, Steven Jackson, tremendous value there. We talked about that. There are going to be some teams that are going to be hurting a running back. I'm one of them. Uh, Mike, you've got Arian Foster, so he kind of counts as two. Uh, I, I would imagine if you look at every team on the board, I'm definitely the weakest at running back on the on the board by far. Um, and Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm competing right there with Wayne Ellis, who, who doesn't have a running back right now. Uh it makes it kind of risky. Uh, you know, we, when we talk about that, you're, you're counting on rookies or you're counting on some, some tremendous value to fall. You know, I guess you could say Cedric Benson, guys like guys like Benson and Adai, these guys are always undervalued in this format. And what is it, Jim? They're not sexy picks, but they sure are productive. Well, yeah, Benson, I, yeah. I mean, he, he's going to have a few big games every year, so that, that makes him a little more viable in this kind of thing. Uh, but uh, – when you talk about some of these other guys, I mean, Adai, right now, he could very well be a free agent. We don't even know if he's coming back to Indy, but 
the way I look at it, with with such a short off season, I can't see Andy letting him go. He's the best pass protector they have in the backfield. They need to bring him back to protect Peyton. Um, I don't see them letting him go. Adai is a guy I truly like uh, coming into this year, and he's being way undervalued. Yeah, uh, I think Wayne Ellis uh, would, would tell you as a as a Colts fan that uh, uh, Joseph Adai has been productive. He's been productive. What's that, Mike? I said, nice pick with that Legarrette Blunt. I love Legarrette okay. Blunt. That offense, that team has just uh, they just exploded last year, and they're starting to get better and better every year. Uh, that was a good pick. But hey, there's a lot to like about Legarrette Blunt, and uh, you know you're talking about a guy who uh, had a lot of potential until the big screw up in college. You talk about a guy that went. Didn't he go undrafted, Jim? I mean, this is another example of somebody that can get get their act together, get cleaned up. And I, I've read some studies on this guy. I mean, from last year, you all saw what I saw. He ran with incredible power. He knocks people down. He goes through the tackles. He fumbles people with that size. He's going to be a tremendous red zone option. The question is, how is he going to how are they going to sell carries there with Cadillac Williams, with the rookie Bradford? What else are they going to do at the running back position? Uh, that, that's the question. It's, it's an emerging offense, Jim, that's for sure. With those wide receivers and that quarterback, that's an offense that I wanted to get a piece of. No, absolutely. It's definitely an emerging offense. They do have a what looks to be a lot tougher schedule this year, but I do think that there's still going to be a good offense moving forward. I do actually like the rookie they brought in, Allen Bradford. I think he's a nice compliment to, to Blount, and I think he's going to be the guy that ends up being that number two there, uh, taking those you know third down uh, catches out, and uh, I, you know, I think he's going to be a viable back later on. You know, especially as a handcuff in in a regular type of league. Uh, I wouldn't do it so much in the the draft master format, but um, I, I think Blount is an excellent pick. He got good value. He didn't didn't reach for him. Uh, he's going to get you know probably twelve to thirteen hundred yards and probably ten to eleven touchdowns when all is said and done. Felix Jones goes off the board. I kind of like to refer to Felix Jones as LaShawn McCoy light, okay? I think that's kind of the potential that you look at when you look at a Felix Jones because he has all the talent in the world. He catches a lot of balls. Uh, but in that offense, how will he be used? That's the question. Will they give him more work this year? Will Marion Barber move somewhere else and be somewhere else? Time will tell. They drafted the rookie, DeMarco Murray, who, you know, a good, strong runner in his own right who, uh, you know, uh, was a barn burner in it after his freshman after his ju- freshman year, and then the Saints kind of just tailed off the injuries what took his toll on him. But he's a he did play through a lot of injuries, and it seems like he's just had so we we talked about Demarco Murray for so so long. He finally is get get uh, into the league, and now he's playing behind uh, you know again Marion Barber potentially, and for sure Felix Jones. Let's see what happens. But Felix Jones does have that Lashawn McCoy type upside, Jim. Well, he definitely does. I, I mean, he, he's got, you know, the moves with him. Uh, you know, up until last year, there was still a lot of question marks on, on how how good of a pass catcher he would be, but he ended up with 48 receptions last year. Can't fault that. Uh, the the two touchdowns was a little off-putting. You'd like to see him get a few more, and maybe he will this year with because uh, I, I really don't think they bring back Barber. Um, I'm not a Tashard Choice fan. He's been a, a fantasy football tease now for three or four years. And I'm just not a guy who has a lot of faith in him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that number two role comes out. But 
Uh, again, Felix Jones in this kind of league, he's going to give you some big games. Uh, he's going to score score you points with the receptions. So it's not a bad play at all. Okay, we've got our first feedback, another feedback in the chat room. It says, play some music that might help the show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Old Time Ways. I was going to say, that had to be Old Time Ways. <laughs> is, he a, is he a blog talk radio stalker? Yes. Yeah, he's all up Pastor Pat. Oh, is that is that is that the same guy? One and the same? Well, I don't know, but they're they act exactly the same. Yes. <laughs> You're telling me Pastor Pat has uh, what do you, what do you call those um, uh, imitators? They Pastor Pat now has imitators. Okay, all right. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> look, no Sean Moreno just went off the board. Henry Muto. Uh, let, let's call Henry Muto. Let's tell, let's call him get out the net because. He's picking up value. He picked up Steven Jackson. He picked up, well, first of all, let's talk about this. Chris Johnson at the sixth pick, value. Reggie Wayne at the end of the middle of the second, that's value. I don't care who you are. Reggie Wayne's still one of the elite receivers. He's going to catch 110 balls. Steven Jackson, we already talked about him at the end of the third. Jeremy Macklin, who arguably a lot of folks will say he's the number one wide receiver on that Philadelphia team, he gets him at 4 or 6. I say that's value looking at some of the other players that were taken there. And then in no Sean Moreno, the starter in Denver. Now, you know what? Here's what we've heard. And, and I love this time of year because everybody thinks they're uh, the coach. And uh, you know what? They say you have these beat writers, you have these uh, magazine, uh, these newspaper guys saying, you know what? I don't think the team believes in Moreno. They're, they're almost urging the coaching staff to do something by saying Moreno is not a feature back. Jim, I know you're, you may be uh, with the consensus fantasy nation on the fact that Sean Moreno uh, is not a feature guy, but let's, let's look at the numbers and just stack the numbers. I know you're, you're not a real numbers guy, though, so you look at, uh, some, you're looking at some other things when you look at Sean Moreno. Well, I look at a lot of things when it comes to Sean. Uh, I, I don't like the fact that, that he's shown so far to be a little bit injury prone. We need to get past that. Uh, but I've seen the kid play. He's got moves. He's uh, he he finds the hole. He can get through the hole pretty quickly. Uh, he's pretty good at picking up the the blitz, which is a, a definite positive. Uh, he can catch the ball out of backfield, and you know he can make plays with the ball in his hands. All things you want to see out of your running backs. The problem is yet that he just hasn't been consistent. The bigger problem now is he's got a new head coach that likes to pound the ball, and that head coach's starting running back is most likely going to be a free agent this year that this coach is probably going to go after, and that's D'Angelo Williams. And I think that's going to hurt a ton if they go out and do that because D'Angelo Williams is just a better runner than Sean Marino. Mike Trent just took Santana Moss and Marshawn Lynch as his combination. Let me get these guys marked off my list. Oh, wait, I don't have those guys on my list. What's going on here, Mike? Uh, you guys on, uh, on your list, sir. That I refuse to draft. No, I'll be honest with you, Marshawn Lynch. I think he's gonna have that's beast mode, right? He's gonna have a. There's no. You can't call Justin Forsett competition to Marshawn Lynch after what we saw last year. It looks like it's gonna be his team. Now the question will be, will he have a Matt Hasselback caliber quarterback to lead the way, or are they gonna revert into uh, the quarterback development mode and it's just gonna be able to stack the line on this guy? Because if that's the case, it's not gonna be well, good. Stop right. Scott, right now, uh, what I had to do was, uh, you know, I looked at the running backs available, and 
there, there wasn't much left. Uh, I, I've got Foster on my team, so I've got to start backing myself up. And uh, Marshawn Lynch is a guy that I feel like that I can back myself up and uh, get enough, uh, get enough starts, get enough carries to where you know he could pop in a game here, pop in a game there, to where uh, he's going to help me out. Uh, Santana Moss, uh, you know, older guy, but still he still puts up numbers. So. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of trying to build everything in. Kenny Britt. Uh, Kenny Britt off the board, facing a potential uh, suspension. Kenny uh, Britt is in jail. jail. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure how severe how severe this uh, penalty is that the NFL cracked down. Could they come down on him for the whole year for his actions? What do you, what do you make of this situation? It's definitely a situation I'm staying away from at this point. I mean, he, he just got off. Uh, on one thing, and then to turn around and be an idiot again, you know what, that's just not good potential, not somebody I'm going to take a chance on. And, and I feel bad saying that because I, I got to see the kid play a lot at Rutgers. He's, a, he's an excellent wide receiver. I think he's got a tremendous upside, but he's just got a stupid head. And I, I'm not a big fan of players with stupid heads. I'm going to let somebody else take that chance. John Haskell, we have to look at what he does here, guys. Uh, again, uh, had a great year last year. Comes starts off with three running backs, Ray Rice, Hillis, and Turner, and then comes out with Brandon Marshall, Percy Harvin, and Amendola. When I look at Percy Harvin and, and Brandon Marshall in the 4-5 turn, I'm looking at that and saying, wow, that's pretty impressive. If you waited on your wide receivers till the fourth and fifth round and you come out of guys like that, and then you've got Danny Amendola who might be a – a 90-catch guy in a in a Sam Bradford, Josh McDaniel offense, um, you got to like what he was able to do, Mike, three running backs and then three wide receivers of that caliber. Yeah, I mean, that, that looks pretty strong. And, uh, you know, it's just the way, uh, the, way the draft uh, pans out, uh, you know, the way the players uh, turn out. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've had a lot of success in these type of leagues, and, uh it just uh, it just depends on a lot of things. Uh, I'm looking right now at my team, for instance, and, uh, you know, I feel pretty good about my first uh, three, four picks. And now where do I go? I, you know, I'm not so sure. Now, we just, we just saw a pick come off in Ryan Williams before either of the guys that are supposedly the starters in Arizona. What does that tell you? Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, in a right. normal season, I'd probably totally agree with that. But I think this short and off season is really going to hurt these rookies, especially the running backs. Um, and I like Ryan Williams, but don't be surprised if it takes him a while to get on the field. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of value still here at several of these positions that I'm looking at. I've got some guys that I'm uh, really high on. Look, so we've got wide receivers and tight ends. Vernon Davis is gone. We haven't updated you on tight ends. Gates, Vernon Davis, Sir Michael Finley, Dallas Clark, and Jason Witten are all gone. We can go ahead and get our stud tight end. It's very likely still on the board here. And it's somebody that we're real high on this year. We're going to go ahead and take him, and we're just going to root and swing for the fences here with Jimmy Graham of New Orleans. Uh, we expect a big year out of him. We like the, 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 the action that he saw late in the year. Jeremy Shockey is now gone. And uh, 
you've got to think that, that running game is going to make things a little bit easier on uh, on the tight end position this year, Jim. Jimmy Graham. I love Jimmy Graham. Uh, you know, in that offense with Breeze throwing to him, Breeze loves his tight end, especially in the red zone. Jimmy Graham is almost virtually, in my mind, a lock for 10 touchdowns. Hey, we'll take it, man. We will take it. This is a uh, this is a real interesting draft. You've got uh, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams that have taken the plunge on a tight end. We have three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams that have taken the plunge on a quarterback. So you've got four teams that are waiting on a quarterback, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of quarterback they can come out with because a lot of these guys are already thinking about two quarterbacks, Matt Stafford and Eli Manning. Jeff Clampett has already locked down his combination. Uh, Mark Cerebro, Gordon Gecko has Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan. And you got to, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Mike Vick is not uh, the most, uh, you know, the, the biggest guy you could count on. Like you said earlier, Jim, he's a guy that you can, uh, you know, will give you those big games, but there is a, there is a slight injury concern here with that type of uh, game that he employs. And if you look back at his statistics, it's not that he's missed a lot of games. He plays for a lot of pain. I know he missed that one season with the injury, but, look, that happens to a lot of, a lot of guys. So, uh, Pettigrew's off the board and Owen Daniels. But go ahead and talk about when do you back up your quarterback in this format? Well, again, uh, it, for me, it's always about when I grab my first one. If you're going to go grab a, a stud in the first couple of rounds, um, you, you got to, in my opinion, wait a little longer to get a backup just because if you really go that heavy early with quarterbacks, you're really going to screw up your other positions. But if you wait um, and, and come back with your quarterback, your starting quarterback later, and then come with a backup quicker than the other guy does, then you're going to have two solid guys that are going to be right in that middle, probably in the, the 18 to 19 points per game range, which is, you know, not bad. Um, like you said, Jeff Clampett, he ended up with, with Schaub and Eli Manning. Those are two guys that are going to have, you know, multiple weeks of putting up stellar points for you. So that that's a great combo to have in this kind of format. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you're right, Jim. I mean, that's uh, that's a perfect scenario. And and I saw that uh, Scott just took uh, Matt Stafford, and uh, you know that's that, that's a pretty good pick. Uh, but do you think that you know Matt Stafford uh, maybe is that too early? Well, you're talking about a guy who's got a ton of upside in Stafford. I just think if you grab Stafford now, then Sooner or later, you got to grab Sean Hill just to protect yourself. Yeah. And not, not, I'm going to write that down here. What's his name, Sean? <laughs> Sean Hill. 347-324-5404 is the number. We are live on Red versus Blue. I tell you, you know, when you got a guy like Vic, you have to be thinking back up. But let's take a look at some of these other teams. I incorrectly said Clampett had Matt Stafford. You know, he had Matt Schaub and Eli Manning. I apologize, Jeff. Matt Schaub, Eli Manning, Darren McFadden, Larry Fitzgerald, Jordy Nelson. Uh, and then uh, that, now, that's where I think he screwed up. Jordy okay. Nelson, because there seems to be a lot of people that are just all of a sudden putting Nelson on this pedestal, and, you know, he's going so early. I, I'm sorry, I can't see it. This is a kid who's been inconsistent his whole time. And just because he had a decent playoff game, and a game in, in which they, he still dropped passes, I just don't see the love that we're having for Jordy Nelson. And this is a, a kid I like. I just I can't see how high he's going. There's so many guys still on the board. 
I would take over him. And one of them just went, Jacoby Ford. I would take Jacoby Ford over Jordy Nelson in this format any day, you know, twice on Sunday. Because Jacoby Ford, if you look at his stats from the end of the year, starting in week nine when he started actually playing, from week nine through week 17, he was the 20th ranked wide receiver in PPR scoring. So he was really getting it done. He's going to get some big weeks in that offense. He may not have, you know, solid, consistent weeks, but he's going to get some big weeks. And I, 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 right now I'd say Jacoby Ford's easily, easily going to outscore Jordy Nelson. Well, you got to like what you saw from Jordy and Rodgers. The chemistry kind of uh, really heated up there. It was almost reminiscent of, uh, you know, um, I, I'm trying to think of a good comparison here. Now, Ed McCaffrey was a much bigger wide receiver, uh, but the the way that Jordy plays, uh, you know, and the way he played, did he play at Penn State or where did he, Kansas State, Penn State? I, I'm trying to remember where Jordy played at. But I don't remember. He has a certain flow to him. Once he gets the ball in open space, he can really make some things happen. And he, he had some drops. He had some drops that could have had a monstrous game and could have been devastating to the Super Bowl. But the fact that he really started to turn it on, and you got to think that Donald Driver is going to be phased out uh, not out of the offense, but sort of his role is going to be diminished uh, again this year. It's it, it definitely we've definitely seen the trends of that. He hasn't retired, but you've got to think that that's happening. And James Jones appears to be a free agent uh, that they don't uh, intend on signing. So you've got the Randall Cobb experiment. But again, then you're talking about a rookie wide receiver trying to learn the ropes on limited time. So I think in the offense, uh, you've got Jordy Nelson. He's third on the pecking order for the Green Bay Packers, Jim. So how is that any different from the third on the pecking order in, let's say, uh, Indianapolis, where you've got Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, and number three would be, you know. Pierre Garçon. Uh, yeah, it's Pierre Garçon. Oh, or Alex and Collie, actually. Pierre Garçon's number four. <laughs> um, but even there, you know, I, I would lean towards Pierre Garçon over Jody Nelson. I, I'm, just, I, I'm just not there to listen to believe the hype on Nelson yet. He's still going to be too inconsistent for me. Um, I, I just don't know how many big games he's going to have in that Green Bay offense because of the guys he's got in front of him. All right, we are we are seven rounds, almost seven rounds through this draft. It's going to be on 30 rounds, guys. We're uh, about halfway through the show. So that means we're going to be about through 16 rounds by the time this two-hour extravaganza is over. We're only going two hours tonight. And then we'll wrap it up. So, but that will get everybody through the, the most exciting part of the draft. The first 14 or 15 rounds or so, we'll have out of the way. And uh, look, you don't want to be bored with the defense run and kicker runs anyway. So you're getting you're getting as much analysis of this draft as possible. Uh, let, let's let's look back at what just happened. The last couple of picks, we had those several teams that were short on quarterbacks. I'm sure they weren't expecting some of the teams to go two quarterbacks. Wayne Ellis ends up with Joe Flacco. Next pick is Sam Bradford to Henry Muto. And Matt Castle goes to John Haskell. Mike, uh, or, or Mike's going to be on the clock, so I'll ask you, Jim. Matt Castle, Bradford, and Flacco went three picks in a row. Uh, what do you see there? Which one of those three those guys stands out to you? Castle has some more weapons. Uh, does he fit into that equation? Well, actually, all three of these guys are, are guys that are good in this format because they're going to have big games. Um, and they're going to have some small games, but the big games are what you're counting on, and all three of these guys have that potential. I mean, everybody's getting down on Joe Flacco, but he actually had a pretty good year last year, and they definitely brought in some extra weapons with him in the draft uh, in, in Tandon Doss and uh, 
uh, Torrey Smith, two guys I really like. So um, I, I'm looking for Flacco to have a really nice season this year. Bradford, I mean, how, you can't say enough about what the kid did last year. And with, with Josh McDaniels coming in and with the added weapons he now has, um, you know, I, I'm looking for big things from him. Out of the three, Castle is probably my least favorite. I'm just not a big fan of him as a as a quarterback per se, but he puts up decent fantasy points and, uh, you know, he has big games. So it's not a bad choice in this, especially waiting this late. He's got three running backs, three wide receivers ready. Castle is a nice uh, nice pick there at that point. Well, I had to do, do Thomas Jones. I had to do the old guy. Hey, you did. You took uh, you took the uh, the number three running back in Kansas City, Mike. Way to go! Yeah. Dude. So you've got you've got some good guys uh, going there. Um, Arian Foster, Marshawn Lynch, Thomas Jones. Uh, your wide receivers are Deshaun Jackson, Santana Moss, and now Jim. I kind of like what Mike just did right here with Crabtree. You can't fault Michael Crabtree in the eighth round of a fourteen teamer. I know people might not like what he's been representing lately, and especially teams were let down with him, uh, what he did last year. But at this spot, what, how many wide receivers are off the board here? 7, 10, 13, 16, 20, 23, 26, 29, 32, 34, 35. 37 wide receivers in. You're telling me that Crabtree is wide receiver 37? He's better than that. No, he's not, but that's a good pick there. <laughs> he's really well, not. I, I'm sorry. I'm not a Crabtree fan. Um, the kid, you know, he's got great athleticism, but he, he's another putz. He's a, a prima donna, thinks he doesn't have to do all the work to, exactly. to get to that next level, and that's what's going to kill him. But that being said, at that late in the draft, at that number wide receiver, you can't go wrong there. Yeah, but don't you get off. I keep thinking, I keep thinking that uh, something will happen uh, to where that offense and uh, that, you know, everything will come together because – He's got a ton of talent. Uh, it's just uh, up to him to develop that talent, and it's up to him to, uh, you know, make things happen with it. Uh, you know. But the problem is, problem for me is, I'm not sure he's got the dedication to want to put in the time to be to develop that talent to be to move up that to that next level. Um, he just yeah. hasn't shown the desire to be that guy yet, and that's what really worries me. And then add on to the fact that now that you got Harbaugh coming in. You know, the one thing about the Harbaugh family, they don't really put up with prima donnas. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he he comes in and he pulls his crap and, you know, we get the actual league going where, you know, Harbaugh is not, you know, trying to do something to move him out of of San Francisco. You know, and and that would surprise me, but I'll tell you what, though, Jim, I I mean, they they will – there's other league or other teams out there that will jump on him, and they would love to have him. But the one thing about him is, uh, when you're bringing a guy like Craig Three in, it's, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a six month evaluation. Pretty much say, hey, get your crap together and uh, let's play football. Let's let's try to win a championship, not to uh, you know just walk around and okay, I'll catch a ball here, I'll catch a ball there. We're we're out here to win championships. No, absolutely, and that's what you got to do. Um, you know, like I said, it was good value there. Um, but I like that Mark Cerebro, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, and I'm, I apologize yep. in advance, Mark. But he, he grabbed uh, Mike Thomas two picks after you, and 
I actually like Mike Thomas a lot. I, I have a little reservation on whether or not he could be a, a true number one wide receiver. This year will tell. But I do like that, you know, he's a fighter. He's going to go out there and give you all he's got all the time. And, you know, no, I'm, I'm a big guy on heart. Like, I, don't, I don't see why he can't. I want to I want to jump in on that Crabtree discussion just to finish up. I agree with most everything you said, Jim. I mean, the guy has to show his willingness. But, look, there's a lot of bad seeds in the NFL. There's a lot of guys that don't work real hard in the NFL that's a natural God-given talent and ability to get them there. Uh, and still get them to be have very productive careers. Maybe not elite all star careers, but uh, we just uh, I just lost my chat ring or my draft board here. Wait a minute. Uh, let's see if that happened to other folks as well. well I still got Wayne. it. Okay, you. Okay, there it is. Okay, it's back. Uh, we are testing out the NFFC draft software. It's been totally flawless tonight. Uh, been, a, been an absolute. Um, uh, Good, uh, excellent experience for us tonight. We've got the draft board up. That's a separate extension. We would like to see a draft board as part of the stats software. Not sure if they'll develop one of those or not. It is kind of hard to follow along if you don't have your own draft board going along. You can't count on the software to do that. But as far as the drafting software, absolutely flawless. You can find the players very easily. They're all sorted by position with statistics. They've got the... um, I don't think they have the bye weeks out here uh, beside them, which would be kind of useful for the uh, for guys to have if it's not part of your player list. Uh, so you do need to have your player list handy. You need to have a draft board handy so you can kind of see how the draft is shaping up. But other than that, the software has been absolutely flawless. Let me go ahead and plug it again. The National Fantasy Football Championship offers the satellite leagues. Uh, go to the nfsc.stats.com. You'll be able to find the message board where everybody hangs out. You'll be able to see the uh, the offerings that they have for their live events. Just remember, gang, this is a, this is one of the high-stake contests that are out there. There's several high-stake competitions in the market right now. The NFFC uh, is one of the better ones that's, that's out there. They have a, a, a great offering from uh, Stats.com is backing it, and uh, it's $100,000 top prize. It costs about $1,400 to play. You can play online. You can also go to Vegas and draft. You can go to Chicago, New York, multi-site drafts going on. And you have the opportunity to go to Vegas, have a good time with a, several hundred other guys that are uh, the kickoff of the NFL season. We're going we're gonna to knock on wood and cross our fingers here to make sure that the season does go off. But it's just a, it's really a unique time, Jim. I don't know if we've seen you out there. Are we going to see you out there if the, uh, once the season kicks off? Are we going to see Jim Day out here uh, celebrating with the fellas, hanging out, drinking a few brews with the gang? I'm hoping I can be, Scott. I'm definitely trying to work it out if, if at all possible. We would like to see you there. Uh, here's a guy that I was hoping to be able to snag, Roy Helu of the Washington Redskins, off the board, a rookie. Now, can he pick up the pass protection? That would be the question. James Starks goes one pick later. Look at that, three running backs, Pierre Thomas, Roy Helu, and James Starks. Now, Pierre Thomas, you got to think he's going to be a free agent. So the fact that we're seeing him fall – that no, no, Pierre, no, no, no. Pierre Thomas isn't a free agent. They re-signed him last year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, for some reason, I thought he was on the market, or, the, or maybe just the no, trade no, block. No, 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 absolutely not. He is the same. You're telling me that uh, they're they're going to deal Reggie Bush, right? They're going to they're going to let they're going to let him walk. They brought in. They've got Chris Ivory. They've got uh, Mark Ingram, and they've got Pierre Thomas. You think they're going to keep all those guys, bud? Absolutely. After last year when all the injuries happened and they couldn't find anybody, you better believe they're going to keep all those guys. I, I think they're even going to try and make a run at keeping Reggie Bush. 
Mike, uh, what do you think about yep. the New Orleans backfield situation? It seems pretty crowded to me. I'm not sure I really want a part of that anyway. Well, you know, from a fantasy uh, standpoint, I don't think I want any part of it. I'm, I'm looking at uh, Colbert right now, and, you know, I I can't do it. Uh, they're keeping all these guys because, it's a, you know, it's a great system. They, they've created a, a, a system that works, and uh, uh, me, myself, there's only uh, two players on, on New Orleans that I want to keep, and uh, one's quarterback and one's wide receiver. We can go from there. <laughs> well, see, I, I have a hard time with that because New Orleans is such a high-powered offense. You know, when when you're talking about these leagues, I mean, uh, I think Pierre Thomas is an excellent pick this year. Again, uh, it has to do with the fact that the rookies are going to take a lot longer to get going. Pierre Thomas knows the offense, knows what he's got to do. He's a productive guy when healthy. And I think you're going to get some points out of him this year. I think you're going to get a lot of points out of him this year. So I like that right. pick. Go ahead. Well, I think, Jim, the, the one thing that I got against Pierre Thomas was, uh, you know, his uh, his the way he gets injured. I mean, he just gets injured all the time. I mean, it just, uh, you know, it was a funny thing. I still got him on a couple of dynasty leagues, and I'm going to hang on to him because, I mean, he has that explosiveness that can, uh, that can win your championships in the dynasty league. It's just his injuries just uh they they bug me. I hear you, but you gotta remember in this draft master format those injuries aren't that big a concern because you don't have to worry about when he plays and doesn't play. As long as he gets you points when he does play, then that's that's what you're looking for here. Yeah, it is uh it's an interesting format. Draft Masters is always a, a little bit of a different twist. You have to kinda of think about that before you make that pick. <laughs> How is it going to impact your team? What does it mean to your team? Uh, you know, let's face it, it takes it takes these guys that are unknowns and says, you know what, I don't need to count on them every single week, but, hey, if i got a couple of breakout games, man, look out. There's going to be some uh, There's going to be some heck to pay if I can get some, uh, some production out of them. Now, the running back position dried up pretty quick, guys. I went looking, and I went fishing, and I'm looking down my list, and I'm saying, man, None of these guys do I really want much to do with right now. It's just not. I mean, what are we looking at here? We've got uh, we've got Brandon Jacobs, Mike Colbert, Beanie Wells. I mean, this is not anybody that gets the blood. You know, the juice is flowing, Jim. It's it's, it's one of those picks that says, man, I got to do it because if I don't do it, my position's going to be just decimated. I've got to put something on the board here. When these other guys have three and four trotting out four solid running backs and you've only got one or one and a half, you've got to start putting some emphasis into the running back position no matter how unsexy the pick. And I agree with you, absolutely. And uh, since you only have job at best in Blount, yeah, you definitely have to be looking at, at one of these guys. I mean, I'm not as down on Mike Tobert as everybody else seems to be. Sure, Ryan Matthews is going to be the guy there, and they're going to try and force him the ball, but Tobert is still going to get his, and he's still going to get touchdowns. You know, all you need from him in this format is one of those games where he gets four carries for seven yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's in your starting lineup that week. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, there's, uh, there's, I tell you, I'm just looking at the running back position, and nothing is doing it for me, man. You know, you've got to think, you, you, you don't really want to go with the rookies because they just, They've got to learn the passing. They've got to learn pass protection. You can't risk your quarterback 
getting killed out there with a rookie running back. And so I think the, the rookie running backs are going to get absolutely hurt by this more than ever before. And, and so it's very uh, it's very risky to start, uh, you know, counting on, you know, somebody like a rookie running back to, to carry your uh, your RB3 spot here. Or that's kind of what a lot of that's- other agents want. There's, there's four other teams. There's four teams that only have two running backs. As a matter of fact, Jeff Clampett, has completely ignored it, and he says, I've got one running back right now, and I don't care. <laughs> you know, I agree, Scott. I've been looking at uh, looking at some of the teams, and uh, uh, the running back, the running backs that are left are very slim. Uh, but then again, you have to, uh, well, you got to almost handcuff right now. Uh, just start looking at, uh, you know, which running back uh, is going to be the best available if, so-and-so goes down. Yeah. And there's, no well, there's several players I'm looking at. I really want to pull the trigger on one of them. I can't do it. I cannot take a running back that just I don't feel good about. Uh, it's just not something I, I, I want to do here. So I'm going to go ahead and take a guy that uh, is on my list, has been on the top of my list uh, for a couple of picks now. I'm going to go ahead and take him because I feel that he's, he's still going to go somewhere. I think with the departure of Carson Palmer, the departure of Chad Ochocinco, he's got to go somewhere. And I hope this is going to be a role player where he goes. If he goes to New England, uh, I think he automatically becomes the, uh, you know, the wide receiver 1A with Wes Welker, guys. Uh, he's going to be putting up uh, some points. And, and, you know, look at what it did for Deion Branch. It resurrected the career. Now, there was obvious chemistry there with Tom Brady from the past, and that has to count for something, but Tom Brady makes that chemistry happen. He showed it with Randy Moss. He showed it with Welker. He showed it with Troy Brown in the past. If you bring a wide receiver onto this team, the caliber and talent and skills of an Ocho Cinco, it could make an impact. So, all right, you know, call me a bum for taking Ocho, but I'm going to go ahead and take him. The ninth round. I'm not going to call you. I'm not (laughs) going to call you stupid or whatever, but uh, how many touchdowns? Do you expect uh, Chad Ocho Cinco to get you this year? I don't care if he's on New England or whoever. How many touchdowns do you expect him to get? It's totally dependent on the offense, man. If he if he ends up on a uh, New England Patriots team, you're looking at a guy that can get you eight to ten touchdowns. I totally disagree. <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott, but I'm with Mike on this one. Um, yeah, I just I, I'm not there <laughs> with Ocho. <laughs> he might get five. <laughs> well, how many did he get? With, how many? Did he, uh, what did he get for with Palmer last year? I mean, I don't. I don't even know. I don't have the stats in front of me. Let's go ahead and pull it up. Let's take a look at old Ocho. Uh, I don't want to make the show about Ocho and a pick. It's just one pick here. But uh, <laughs> oh, I do okay. say that's your pick. That's your pick. Feel good about your pick, Scott. But I, I'm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> let's see. Crabtree was touchdowns last year. Crabtree was 36 last year. Ocho was 34. Okay, so all right, you know, you took you you can have your Crabtree, and I'll take my Ocho. I mean, we're in the same boat here, Mike. At this point in the draft, uh, here here we go. Ocho Cinco. I Four. tell you, I've got a I've got a guy that we wanted to get into the world of high stakes fantasy football night. He really wanted to get his hands on Ocho Cinco at some point in the draft, and and we went ahead and made the made the made the call to get him now. Um, let's look at uh, let's look at stats for Ocho here. Let's pull them up. Okay, here we go. NFL stats for Ocho. What do we got? 67 catches, 830 yards, and four touchdowns. Yeah, that's kind of lame, guys. Uh, 
<laughs> kind of lame. Let's look at uh, let's look at 2009. What did he do just a year prior to that? He was the 14th wide receiver overall. Did he That's slow right. down that much? Did he slow down in one year that much, or was it a product of the offense? Well, I think it was a combination of both. I think yeah. so. I'll give you that. I'll see. Let's move on. We've got uh, we're we're an hour into the show here. We're we're in round number nine. Uh, let's let's start taking a look and dissecting a couple of these teams. Where do you want to start, Jim? You want to start at number fourteen and work our way back. Jeff Clampett, Route C. Great guy. Lives here in Indianapolis. Does a lot of good work for the for the church and the and the missions around here. Let's let's take a look at Jeff's team. He's a very successful player in the NFFC. Matt Schaub and Eli Manning, a fantastic combination there. Darren McFadden, so he's very thin at running back, along with myself and a couple of others. But his wide receivers make up for it. Fitzgerald, Jordy Nelson, uh, Donald Driver, and who's that other guy? Steven, Steven Smith? I think Steven, Steve Smith, yeah. Steven Smith of the Giants. Okay. Yeah, well, so, Steve, not uh, Steven, yeah. <laughs> so, so you got to worry about Smith thing. being back and healthy, and you got to worry about whether or not he's going to be with the Giants. But, um, you know, I, I'm not going to fault that pick that late in the draft. Uh, if he is back, I think you get some good points out of him. Um there, he's got a couple of picks I'm not really fond of. Um, you know, Donald Driver, I, I'm not sure I'd take Donald Driver in this format this year. I don't think he's going to have very many big games, if at all. Um, and I'm also not a big fan of Brandon Pettigrew, uh, especially if Stafford stays healthy. If you look at the numbers of what Pettigrew has done with Stafford as opposed to what he's done without Stafford, he's almost doubled his number of receptions, and he has doubled his number of yards with other quarterbacks rather than Stafford. With Stafford, he averages just over two receptions a game for like 22 yards, uh, and that's with 13 games with Stafford. Last year, 13 games without Stafford, he averaged over five receptions a game and over 50 yards a game. So, you know, I, I just don't think he, he fits right with Stafford. If Stafford plays a full 16 games, Brett, uh, uh, Pettigrew is coming way down on my tight end rankings. Mike, uh, you're up here in just a, uh, a couple of picks, so I'm going to go ahead and, and and take this conversation. You've got uh, – let, let's try to predict what Mike's going to do. He's got Foster, Marshawn Lynch, and Thomas Jones, Deshaun Jackson, Santana Moss, and Michael Crabtree, a total mess at wide receiver right now. Uh, and he's got Jason Witten at tight end. So he's set at quarterback and tight end. He's got uh, – you know, you got just as much. Uh, well, look, we all none of us look real good here at all the positions. You have to sacrifice something. Um, Absolutely. But and with, with a fourteen teamer, with with competition of this caliber, uh, we will get to break down some of the other teams. Maybe I'm wrong, but we but but just looking at Mike's team specifically, he's set at quarterback and tight end. He's got a great running back one. You could consider Marshawn Lynch an RB two this year. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, Moss, and Crabtree. I think that's a real um, crapshoot to, to get three steady wide receivers out. He's done. I would take a couple flyers on some wide receivers here for me. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to need to do that. Actually, he's going to need to take some flyers at both wide receiver and running back. Um, I, you know, Thomas Jones is number three. Uh, you know, isn't really making me you know happy. Uh, especially now that they make McCluster a running back, you got to wonder what that's going to do to that whole transition with Thomas Jones. Right. Yeah. Uh, you've got uh, you, you. You have him take Derek Mason here. Who is he? Has he retired yet? Is he still playing in the league, Derek Mason? Well, I guess. Look, 
here, here he's looking at uh, Kenny Britt's potential, and maybe he comes back and says, I've got a uh, – actually, what team does he play on anymore? He plays on Baltimore now, right? I mean, where is he at? Baltimore. Who are you talking about? I'm sorry, I lost you. Uh, <laughs> Mike took Derek Mason, and now he's got another pick left. So he's got Derek Mason. I'm going to take, take another geriatric guy, too. Don't take it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, I'm thinking about it. I have a feeling that a name, a southern accent, a southern draw wide receiver is going to be coming off the board here soon, if, if I know Mike here. Played at Marshall, Jim. You have a, you have any? Oh, I'm, I don't want to spoil the fun for Mike. He's obviously enjoying the uh, suspense. Well, he, he he shocked the world here and took a defense. Green Bay first defense off the board. He figures, hey, if I'm going to be at the end of a run here, I want to I want to start the run. So let's see if he gets anybody to take the bait. What's interesting about the draft master format is, at the start of a round, could a defensive run happen? with just one pick in the 10th round. The thing is, the other thing that could happen, it's almost like NASCAR. You could get hung out to dry here and be the only guy that takes the defense, and it didn't work. There was, nothing out, there that, uh, there was nothing out there that appealed to me, so uh, I just went ahead and took a defense. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Mike, uh, you know, um, yeah, I can't see it. You, you need too much help. Uh, especially running back and wide receiver. Although I like the Mason pick, he's going to have a couple of good games. He's, you know, I don't care how old he is, the kid guy still plays football well. Uh, but uh, I would have taken a flyer on some running back at that point. Like a Brandon Jacobs. Actually, I think Brandon Jacobs is a great running back for this this format. Yeah. You don't care when he's in there, but he's going to have some games where he's putting up some touchdowns, getting some yards. Um, I think whoever nabs him at this point is going to get a steal. We're uh, we're taking requests in the chat room. We've got another uh, question in the chat room, Jim. He'd be interested in a uh, one of these geriatric discussions on Terrell Owens versus Ocho Cinco. What do you think? Uh, which one of these guys is is more likely to land a job? I I take Terrell Owens in a heartbeat. I, I think he's always been a better receiver. He was even a better receiver last year, coming into a new team, beating out Ocho on his team. It's not even a no-brainer for me. I go Terrell Owens over Ocho any day. Mike, what do you, I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that uh, question to you as well. Yeah, yeah. I will. Uh, I'll take Terrell uh, over Ocho Cinco. Uh, you know, I, Chad Johnson. I mean, he he had his day, and uh, but uh, I don't. I don't see it right now. All right, lots of good uh, tight ends are going off the court. This is the National Fantasy Football Championship draft debut uh, with Stats.com. We've got the NFFC draft going on. This is the live 60s draft. It's a $60 entry. First place is $480. Second place is $120. Third is $75. You're going to have three people take home 11 people's cash. That's how this works. Three people take home 11 people's cash. And uh, we're all competing for this uh, for the, the draft supremacy here. This is a 30-round draft, man. So we're going to be here a while tonight. We're in it for the long haul. Uh, the radio show will be going on for another about 45 minutes here. And I'm already looking at some mistakes. You know, if I could have gotten a Jared Cook in the 10th round, 
I would not have taken Tony Gonzalez in the eighth. I'm real high on the potential upside of Jared Cook, especially with the Kenny Britt issues. The, the way he looked last year late in the season, guys, and I'll, I'll start with you, Jim. Jared looked like he had finally turned the corner. And, and it doesn't really matter what quarterback you have at this point. This kid has all the ability in the world. And sometimes it takes these tight ends a couple of years and players in general. That's why I give Crabtree a pass. Sometimes it takes – I mean, it, it was only his second year. What are we expecting to be? His first year, he had a shortened, shortened off season. Second year, you right, got a That was his Alex choice. Smith. The shortened offseason. Off yeah, but wait. The shortened off season was Crabtree's choice. He's the one who held out. No, no, no. It's the agent's choice. These kids, you can't expect yeah. them to make that decision. <laughs> the agent. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's it's a tough tough line to walk. Um it really comes down to personal preference, and that's why we do this. I mean, you know, we can talk all we want. You know, we all consider ourselves very knowledgeable. Everyone in this draft thinks they know every one of these guys, and everybody has their own personal preference, whether it be from history or, you know, just from watching game film. They just like somebody over somebody else. And, you know, it's hard to tell somebody they made a bad pick when when they really like to pick. It's, it comes down to opinion. Well, I'll say Mike, um, you, you've got uh, you've got lots of uh, tight ends going off the board. Jared Cook, Tony Moyaki, and Ben Watson, just the last three tight ends off the board. Which one you like the best out of those three? Did we lose Mike? Don't no, I'm here. Uh, I like Moyaki the best, but uh, it just uh, it just depends on uh, the situation. Uh, where are you going for him? All right, uh, Jim. Let's take a look here. LaDainian Tomlinson just off the board, another running back that uh, has questionable uh, value at this point, especially at a half a point per reception. But he does have the touchdown value. Now, Sean Green, they're, they're saying all the right things about Sean Green, that this is the year that they're going to give it to him. We thought that was going to be last year. Talk about Sean Green here while I get on the clock in the LaDainian Tomlinson quandary here. Well, Sean Green worries me because it seems like this whole off season, this team has been trying to send him a message um, that he needs to take that next step. He needs to become that guy they can count on, which he hasn't done yet. Uh, first, they go out and draft a, a Bilal Powell, who you know is a, a big power runner like Sean Green is supposed to be. Uh, so that's got to send one message. Then they come out and say all this stuff about how they're going to feed him the ball. He's going to be this next guy. You know. To me, that's another message. They're saying that's what you need to be. If you're not going to be there early, then we're going to have issues, and that's why we drafted Bilal Powell. Well, you know what? Yeah. Uh, you know, we I, have I to see that. And, uh, you know, that was a pretty good pick by uh, by Scott uh, by going ahead and uh, taking Julio Jones, and then right after him, uh, it didn't take uh, it didn't take long for Team Dunn to go ahead and take Michael Bush. Uh, a now. guy that I was on, yeah, you know. Now. So, uh, see, but now that you, you bring up you bring up Rich Dunn and in that team with the, that just took Michael Bush. I mean, now he's got five running backs, but he's seriously hurting at wide receiver. He's only got Sidney Rice and Braylon Edwards, and as of right now, we don't know where either one of those two guys are going to land. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And he's got right. some questions. You know, guys, do you look at this the same way I do? I don't know. Let me ask you a question. Rich Dunn is sitting there. He's loaded at running back. He could use a wide receiver. But he sees a Jeff Clampett sitting there with only Darren McFadden, and he says, maybe I can 
Maybe I can put a little jab in here, man. Rich, if we can get Rich to either call or comment in the chat room, I'd like to know what Rich's motivation was by taking Michael Bush. You got four running backs. So was this a little personal jab to get Jeff a little rattled here? Rattled uh, doesn't look like – he takes Danny Woodhead. Jeff Clampett at, four, at the last pick in the tenth round, Danny Woodhead. And, and uh, this is a kid that uh, I don't think just because they drafted uh, the rookie there, that, that is any uh, – admonishment of the Danny Woodhead play. People really liked what they saw from uh, Danny Woodhead, at least I did last year. As far as I'm concerned, he's the safest running back that's in New England to draft right now. Uh, you don't know what, what the heck they're going to do between Shane Vereen and Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, but Woodhead is definitely solidified as their you know their change of pace number three back, the guy who's going to catch the passes, sort of that Kevin Falk role. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's the safest running back to have in New England right now. Robert meets him off the board. That's the wide receiver two in uh, New Orleans offense. I guess you could argue that Jimmy Graham is the wide receiver two there on that team, possibly, but perhaps uh, maybe Reggie Bush, if he sticks around, or Pierre Thomas could get that, that many receptions. Uh, there's another wide receiver on the board here, Lance Moore, that's still, on, that's still out there. Jim, he's a... Wide receiver, 66 yeah. catches, 763 and 8 touchdowns. A little undervalued here at this point. Uh, but I can't go wide receiver when I'm this thin at running back. I, I, I wanted to get uh, Javid Best handcuff uh, a couple rounds back, but he was taken by Mike Gustafson at, uh, with Mikel Lashore. And now I've got LeGarrette Blunt. I, I don't want any uh, handcuff there. Uh, Ronnie Brown sitting out there. Maybe that's a guy I could take at this point in the draft. What do you think about Ronnie Brown, Jim? I would I would take a chance on Brown again. We're not sure if he's going to come back to Miami or not, and but uh, you know he's you know he's a guy who can play. He's shown us flashes of what he can do. Um, you know, at this point in the draft, there's a couple of guys I would look at. He might be one. Mike Goodson might be another. There's a couple of guys out there I think are are still being a little undervalued. Well, Goodson is gone, uh, and I, I just look at Ronnie Brown and, and the potential there as a do-it-all kind of running back. And again, the the age is kind of catching up to him. He came out of that class with Cadillac Williams and Cedric Benson and those guys, and that was very rarely do you see. What was that? Was that three running backs taken in the first five picks? Do you guys remember that? Is that how that draft went that year? Ronnie Brown, Cadillac Williams, and Cedric Benson. For some reason, I remember three running backs really early in the draft. Were they in the top five? It's I don't think they were that early, but I, I do think they were probably in top ten. I don't remember them being in the top five, all three of them. I'm trying to remember, but, man, I, I got so much stuff crammed in my head from this year, I can't remember. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and pull it up while we're uh, while we're waiting. Uh, Glenn, Glenn is on the clock. He he went ahead and took Pittsburgh. As a, he, he does go ahead and take Lance Moore. He says, hey, Scott, if you're going to let Lance Moore fall to me, I'll go ahead and take him. He'll be my number four. And I'll trot him out there every single week. Now, let's take a look at Glenn's team here because he started off with Peyton Manning. He's got Peyton Manning and Vernon Davis, so he has the, the quarterback tight end tandem there. Uh, he's got Hakeem Nix, A.J. Green, Jacoby Ford, and Lance Moore. Rashard Mendenhall, Daniel Thomas, C.J. Spiller, and Beanie Wells. So he's got four running backs, four wide receivers, a tight end, a quarterback, and a defense. Uh, Jim, do you see any real weaknesses with uh, Glenn Lowy's team? Uh, the running backs. <laughs> he's got four of them, but outside of Mendenhall, he's got nothing proven. 
Uh, Daniel Thomas is a rookie. Right now, people are high on him because he looks to be the starter in Miami. May not end up that way. Um, C.J. Spiller and Beanie Wells, neither one of them has proven much of anything yet. Uh, so if I had to pick a, a weakness on that team, it has to be running back. But he has four of them on the board. That's the thing. And, again, he's only uh, he's only 11 rounds in. He does have four running backs. That's the thing. Depth in this format does go a long way. Remember, this is the Draftmaster format. So you do not set a lineup in this format. You don't have to worry about trying a specific lineup out there every week, only that you have potential scores available uh, because you can play the committee approach here. I only have to start two every week. So can I get two starters every week if I'm starting four solid wide receivers? Again, it's that draft master mentality. You have to have it. You either have it or you don't. And, and I'll tell you, who's the guy Who's the guy that's the draft master king in the world of high-stakes fantasy football? Somebody tell me. There's somebody out there that just plays these things all the time. And he's uh, he's always up near the top of the list. Wayne Ellis, I'll bet you can tell me in the chat room. Uh, but there's a certain there's a certain strategy that you use in the Draftmaster formats that works. And Mike, uh, it's not about trotting out a specific lineup every week, but it's about having that potential. So you could have a guy like Rich Dunn here. Rich has completely, you know, not neglected wide receiver, but he's, he's neglected wide receiver depth here, and he's decided that I can. If I throw about seven or eight darts or 12 darts later in this 30-round extravaganza, I'm going to be okay at my wide receiver position because, hey, the law of averages state that wide receivers are going to go off. You're just not going to know when you can predict that wide receiver. So let's take a wide receiver like a um, Jabbar Gaffney or a uh, Jacoby Jones or somebody. You know, you're going to have a big game every once in a while, but you're not going to be able to try him out every week. Well, you throw about seven or eight of those guys together, in a 30-round extravaganza like this, one of those guys is going to go off and get you in a 15- or 20-point game, right, Jim? So that it changes the whole dynamic of the draft. Well, hey, hey Scott, you're talking to a guy who's already done 100 draft master leagues this year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I'm totally focused on the draft master format and what you're looking for. And what you're looking for is guys who are going to make big plays. They're going to have big games. You're not really looking, especially in, in this – where you are in the, in the draft now, you're looking for guys that aren't consistent guys because you don't want guys that are going to be, you know, four four catches for 60 yards every week. You want the guys that are going to get two catches for 20 yards one week and then get six catches for 120 and a touchdown the next. Um, so what that's exactly what you're looking for in, in this, especially in this space of the draft. Um, so you're looking for those guys who have that chance to give you those big plays. Henry Muto, uh, Team Dragons here, hit it on the head. It's Mark Moyer. Mark Moyer has been had a, has built a living and probably built a house or two on the, the high-stakes market of uh, draft champions, draft master, draft expert formats, whatever they call them here. Uh, so that that's the guy there. And, again, Jim, you're hitting on it. Uh, you have to take guys that have those big, weak potentials, uh, and, and that's kind of what powers – uh, powers the draft here. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to update my draft board here for a minute. Uh, Jim, we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, we'll we'll come back with the uh, with the rest of the draft here. Hold on, just uh, two shakes. Hi, this is Greg Kellogg. You know the routine. It's Friday night. You're looking over your lineup. It's either Lavernius Coles versus the Browns or Lance Moore versus the Falcons. I'm a serious fantasy player, and regular fantasy advice just won't do. 
I need to know, without a doubt, that the fantasy advice I'm getting makes sense. That's why I listen to Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. Catch Scott Atkins in the Red vs. Blue Crew chat room every Friday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for those difficult-to-make lineup decisions. I'll be there. Will you? And the thing is, I'm thinking about should I show mercy on you? Should I start Benson and show mercy? Or should I start terrain and really just hammer you down? I don't know what to do. I I don't know. Part of me feels like mercy. Part of me feels like, eh, go ahead and start Benson and just win by 10, 12 points. You think, you think you're going to you think you're gonna beat me? <laughs> no, I know I will. How do you think white people always get ahead? Because we cheat all the time. I mean, because they cheat all the time. This is Bill Belichick, coach of the New England Patriots. He's won three Super Bowls. How? He cheated. He even got caught cheating, and nobody cared. Bill Belichick proved that in America it's okay to cheat, as long as you cheat your way to the top. Hey, I don't want to be called a cheater. No, no. If you cheat and fail, you're a cheater. If you cheat and succeed, you're savvy. This is bullshit. I don't want to waste my time learning to cheat. Go ahead, the door's right there. Bye-bye, have fun. We will miss you. How do I reach these kids? How do I reach these kids? Just before the last Super Bowl, Bill Belichick gathered his football players and said, Let's win this one for real. Just this one time. Let's not cheat. You know what happened? They lost. Got a good break there from the gang of Red versus Blue. Uh, 347-324-5404 is the number. We're hosting live with Jim Day. Jim, uh, tell us what you got going on, man. You are everywhere. You're known as Mr. Twitter uh, USA right now, but you got some fun things going on. Talk about the website and the experience that you're having over there. It, it, it looks like it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Um, I've moved to a new website called goaheadscore.com. Uh, uh, finally hooked up with my partner by the name of Simon Shepard, who's just an awesome uh, guy when it comes to setting up websites, doing all the, the coding for the websites, all the stuff that I can't do. So it's really a good mesh between us. Uh, we're we're coming up with some good things over there, trying to get the site, you know, different. It, it's set up to where, you know, we have rankings, but we give you different things with our rankings. We we give you an injury index. We give you an upside index. We give you a roster uh, index on whether or not, you know, do they have a problem uh, with somebody else possibly taking their roster spot. All things that go into our rankings are right there for you to look at. Uh, we're coming out with a uh, fantasy football draft app that should be out on iTunes hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Uh, so we're doing a lot of good things over there. I, I'm really looking forward to this season and what we can do. Goaheadscore.com is is the place, and you can always catch Jim at Fantasy Taz on Twitter. Uh, Red Blue Radio is our Twitter address. We like to get on there. We're not as uh, heavy on the Twitter machine as Taz is. Taz has a permanent home and residence on Twitter, and and that's the way uh, that's the way you reach the masses right now. Twitter is the new uh, 
the new medium of choice. Look, a lot of folks like to, you know, get on, uh, you know, they, they do their little shows or they do that. But I tell you what, the power of Twitter is pretty amazing. You get up to that those power tweeters and, you know, uh, you, you put something interesting out there, the amazing power of Twitter, they can, if they find it compelling and, and you've got somebody following you that has a fan base of 100 or 200,000 listeners on, on their or followers on Twitter, any thought could get tweeted to uh, the universe in, in just a matter of seconds. You know, it's pretty powerful. It can be stuff. good. So, or it, it can be good, or it can be bad. It just depends on how you uh, how you tweet it, so to speak. That's right. So we're uh, we're, we're drafting live here. The the '60s draft is uh, is live. Let's go ahead and break down some of these teams. We said we would do that, and we've got time left on the show. We got 30 minutes left on the show. Uh, let let's move on to team number two since we already looked at Mike's team. Uh, Mike, nine round on the board here. He's got his quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger and Kevin Cobb, safe there. Tight end in Dallas Clark, very safe there. Running backs, Jamal Charles, Bradshaw, Ryan Terrain, Mikel LaShore, Hardesty. Love it. Wide receivers, Vincent Jackson, Garcon, Bess, and Malcolm Floyd. So far, two teams in, he's head and shoulders as the number one team. I, I like his team. It's definitely. I thought you were talking to Mike. I'm sorry. Um, I, you know, he, he's taking chances now, and this is place to take chances. Uh, I, I, I love the core team he's put together. Uh, I'm not as high on Cobb as some are, but you know, again, if he comes back and, and grabs another quarterback, I'll feel a little safer because at this point, it, it still makes all the, all the sense in the world for Philadelphia not to give up Cobb just because they know that Vic's going to miss some time. Mike, I, I tell you what, I like that team. It's loaded at running back. He's got his quarterback and tight end taken care of. And, um, you know, you would like to see maybe a Jacob Tammy pick or something like that to kind of back up Dallas Clark. That would that, that pick looks like it would make a little sense. Uh, but but uh, Vincent Jackson, Garcon, Bess, and Floyd. Floyd's going to be a free agent, right? So you would think that he's going to go somewhere and be, be an integral part of the offense. Somewhere. Yeah, you know what, guys? Uh... Yeah, well, Scott, uh, actually, you're on the clock right now, so I'll just kind of fill the void, uh, Jim. I will. Uh, you know, he's he's got a real good team, and he just needs just uh, just one or two more things that are going to uh, going to uh, help fill the void, like you said, uh, to make him even better. Uh, you know, I'm looking at my team right now. I'm full of a bunch of old people, and you know, I don't know what to do with them, but. Uh, I'm just going to keep on drafting old people and see what happens. And, uh, well, i, I got to tell you, Mike, I, I really loved your last turn with Hightower and Heap. Uh, I thought those were two excellent picks at this point in the draft uh, because these are guys that are both going to get playing time and both score you points. So I thought those were two excellent picks. Well, thanks, Jim. I, you know, I, I really did, too. I, I mean, I appreciate that. I want to back up uh, – my tight end from earlier, Witten. Uh, you know, I've got I've got Witten and now uh, Heath, and uh, I want to throw in another running back because you can never have enough running backs in this uh, in this type of format. I've learned Absolutely. you can never have enough running backs, and I'm just going to keep on pounding running backs and throw them out there and uh, see what happens. And and see, and I'll point that back to what your earlier comment about four kickers. See, I would never take four kickers in this. I'd use at least one or two of those spots on additional running backs just for that very reason. Yeah. I, you know, if I grab one, one stud kicker that I feel confident in and one decent backup, I probably don't grab anymore. Yeah. 
Isn't that the truth? But, uh, you know, some interesting picks coming off the board. Uh, Aurelius Ben came off, Nate Burleson. Um, you know, Ben is a, a guy that people are looking, you know, for for him to come out and have a year this year uh, after getting hurt last year. Uh, again, we talk about Tampa Bay offense, definitely moving upward, making some good choices. If he can get healthy, and, and supposedly he is fully healthy, uh, he could be a, a nice steal this late. Nate Burleson, you know, I looked for a little more from Burleson last year than he actually did. But he's a guy in this format, again, who can get you a couple of big games a, a year, and that's what you're looking for here. Right. And, you know, I you know I looked at Nate Burleson before I took uh, before I took Hightower, and, but I needed another running back. I felt like I needed another running back, and uh, – that's why I passed on uh, Burleson. But, uh, nope, absolutely. I would have taken Hightower over Burleson, too. No doubt. And, Hightower could and, catch as many balls as Burleson. <laughs> Scott went ahead with uh, Delaney Carter. I mean, Scott's going with young guys. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'll be very interested to uh, see what Scott thinks about, uh, you know, the Delaney Carter pick. Well, Delaney right, Carter is well, definitely up. Oh, sorry, go, Scott. That's okay, dude. I, uh, I I just look at this point in the draft. It's all about uh, you know some opportunity here. And, and when you're on the Colts offense, we saw what Javaris James uh, could do. We saw what Mike Hart could do. It doesn't matter who you put back there. You're going to have some good games, and that's what we're talking about. Draft matchers. Not talking about a a full season here at this point. You got to look at somebody that has a good opportunity. In an offense like Indianapolis, you're going to get an opportunity, and that's that's kind of what I need to do at this point because I did neglect my running backs. Now let's move on. To the third team, Mark Cerebro, Gordon Gecko, a former, matter of fact, the first ever National Fantasy Football Championship $100,000 winner, or was it 200000 Mark? You're going to have to remind me here in the chat room. Uh, let's take a look at his team. He went early with quarterbacks, just like we did, Rivers and Matt Ryan, so he's got two really good ones. He's got two good tight ends in Zach Miller and Jared Cook. He's got that on lockdown. He's got his running backs with D'Angelo, Sean Green, Reggie Bush, and Rashad Jennings. And then his wide receivers with Andre Johnson, Steve Smith of Carolina, soon to be question mark, maybe San Diego, Mike Thomas, and Hines Ward. Uh, I'm going to break this team down. Love the quarterback combination. Love the fact you back up a tight end with a Jared Cook. I am a fan of taking two early quarterbacks, two early tight ends as well, Mark. Uh, so I think that's important in this format to go ahead and get that and get it out of the way because you can just start taking flyers with wide receivers or running backs and fill those gaps. You may not have an all-star, but, hey, you're going to get five or six other guys here that are going to compete with that one guy. So I agree with that strategy. Now, to the selection of D'Angelo Williams in the third round, you don't have a lot of choices at that point. You wait that long to get your RB1 on the board, you don't have a lot of options, and, and here's the thing. if you He wanted to get Andre Johnson, obviously, in this draft. It's a, it's a number three pick, and I'm not sure if that was his uh, if that was his strategy with the KDS because he did get a selected draft spot. But the fact that he wanted Andre Johnson, he didn't want to get shut out of the quarterback. It's just, it's just a product of the beast at that point. You're going to get D'Angelo Williams. That's the best running back on the board at that point. So that's what you get. Um, yeah, but that's not a bad get at that point because you're looking at a guy who could easily end up in the top ten running backs if he lands in a good situation. I mean, you're talking about a guy a couple of years ago had 18 touchdowns. I go eight. On uh, on the best one of the best offensive lines that we've seen in a long time. Oh, no, I, I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying he'll do 18 again, 
But, I mean, he's got it within him. We know he's that kind of a running back. We know he's got the capability to do that. So, at that point, why not take the, the jump on him at that point? I thought that was an excellent pick. Well, you're absolutely right. I'm not I'm not beating up the pick. I'm just saying that at that point in the draft, uh, you have no other option. And, and D'Angelo Williams is the pick there. But that's as good as it gets with the with the number one pick. And it, it's, for, it's a running back in a situation you don't know where it's going to be. I mean, is he going to go and and be a handcuff to uh, your your boy that we talked about earlier in No. Sean Moreno? I know a lot of folks have thought that he might be following John Fox to Denver if they don't feel that Moreno's the answer. Now, let me pose you that question, uh, and, and I'm going to let Mike think about his pick here because he's almost on the clock. But, but Jim, if D'Angelo ends up in Denver. Who gets the lion's share of those carries? D'Angelo. D'Angelo Williams will. Uh, they'll yep. use Noshan as the change of pace, third down back, because uh, that's what they feel he's more proficient at anyway. Um, and D'Angelo is definitely the better runner of the two. Yeah. And then he backs it up with Sean Green, who, uh, again, you know, if that's, if that's as bad as it gets with your RB2, you got to love life because Sean Green uh, – Looks like he is loaded for bear this season, and Ladanian Tomlinson is going to hand the torch, so to speak, to Sean Green. Uh, the offensive coordinator is very happy with how Sean Green performed. I, I, what's the knock on Sean Green? That he doesn't catch the ball, or that he hasn't been asked to catch the ball? That's kind of that Michael Turner question. Does he not have the skill? Because Iowa's offense didn't ask him to catch the ball, and have the Jets really asked him to catch the ball? I know last year, right off the bat, Baltimore game, boom. Nice catch for Sean Green. I'm like, okay, maybe he's going to catch the ball. He, he caught it at least more than he did the, the, the prior year. So does he does he have that ability, Jim, or is it just a product of the offense? Well, no. Actually, what the biggest knock on him was is, is that he wasn't doing well at pass protection. Um, he was oh. he was he was picking up the wrong blitzers, miss, miss, mixing uh, missing blitzers, um, and, and just you know not getting that job done and. And we've all seen that, you know, that's the quickest way for a running back not to be on the field is not be able to protect your quarterback when you need to. And uh, and that was definitely something he, he was just not picking up very well last year. The fact that he was only able to score two touchdowns in a Jets offense on a 185 carry, that was really disappointing. you got to hope that he can bounce back. He did get 16 receptions, so it wasn't a Michael Turner number. Uh, but, you know, it it could have been. It could have been just about okay. Well, good effort by Mark Cerebro. Matter of fact, I look at teams two and three, and I'm and I'm and I'm not real sure which one I like better. Both very good efforts. Let's look at Mark's team, Team Diesel here. Uh, Jim, you want to break down this team for us? Sure. Um, again, another another good quarterback get with Drew Brees in the second. He's got Adrian Peterson in the first. Uh, talk about a work cost. And then he follows it up with Drew Brees's. You know. Uh, uh, number one in Colson, I like that. He got Steve Johnson coming off a great year in Buffalo. Uh, Cedric Benson as his running back two in the fifth. You know, again, not a sexy pick, but Benson has plenty of good games. Uh, he'll he'll score him some points. Follows that up with Manning, Mario Manningham, another solid wide receiver selection. Uh, he's definitely going to get you some points in that Giants offense. Uh, then he goes back-to-back with tight ends with Kellen Winslow and Brent Selleck. Now, I like the Winslow pick, but I'm not so high on Selleck, not because I don't think the, the man can play the position. I'm just not sure he, he 
gets enough chances with Mike Vick at quarterback. I think by the time Mike Vick goes through his progressions, gets to the tight end, he's looking to pull the ball down and start to run. So I think that hurts him. But then he also he came back a couple of picks later and got Tony Moaki who uh, in Kansas City, who it's another solid one. So he's got three tight ends. So he's got that that position locked. Um, then he comes back with Mark Sanchez, who, who you know, with a Drew Brees, to come back with a Mark Sanchez, I, I think is a great combination there. Uh, and then he's got Mike Sims, Walker, Jabbar Gaffney, uh, you know, to give him four and five wide receiver. You know, definitely not bad chances to take there. And then he comes back and he gets Philadelphia's defense in round 13. Solid team. Uh, you know, no real holes. Um, you know, in a 14-team draft, I, I wouldn't be ashamed of that draft at all. Well, I tell you what, I like the combination uh, that Mark did there with Colston, Steve Johnson, Manningham, uh, Adrian Peterson, and Benson. Very solid. I'm not a big fan of Benson anymore. It's not a guy that I really even want to draft. I don't see any two touchdown games in his future because, first of all, you have to be able to move the ball. Now, who's the quarterback in the Cincinnati that's going to move the ball and get him in that potential? You lose both your wide receivers. You lose your quarterback. That's basically Jermaine Gresham's team now, you know. Until otherwise stated, A.J. Green gets involved. It's going to be Gresham and Green that will get those opportunities to score. But I don't see the running game doing anything this year. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of that. But other than that one pick, and, again, the running backs had dried up at that point, too. I might have taken a flyer on a Ryan Williams or something, or maybe Ryan Grant played it safe or something like that. But other than no, that Ryan one Grant's pick, not really playing it safe, you know, you you're talking about a guy who's coming off a, an injury, you know, pretty much killed him for all last year. And not only that, the team really likes James Starks. And I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. at all to see Starks as a starter there. So I, I don't know if Brian Grant is any safer there at that point. I'd rather have the guy I know is going to start in Benson. Oh, but it doesn't matter. What do you want with 80-yard gains with no touchdowns? Ryan Grant is on the Green Bay Packers, dude. You're going to have – do you remember how many opportunities the Green Bay had inside the red zone that they couldn't do anything with because they had John Kuhn or uh, Brandon Jackson trying to punch it in or even James Starks late? It's not like he's a touchdown guy. Ryan Grant had everything that Green Bay needed back when, when uh, he was healthy. And so you got to think, you don't lose the job just because of an injury. And I think he comes back, he'll be very fine inside that red zone. It'll be a two-horse rotation with Grant and Stark. But there's a lot of carries to go around in Green Bay's offense. And you remember how many times they had to push it in with Aaron Rodgers because they were scared to death to hand it off to one of those pathetic backs? Grant's not like that. Grant was a leader in that locker room, and he still will be. So, anyway, I'm not, it's in the Ryan Grant show, but I'm just saying, look, I'm not a Benson fan. I wouldn't have drafted him no, anywhere. No. Oh, that, a, don't get me wrong. I'm not tall. a Benson fan either. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not a Benson no, fan either. Uh, I'm just saying that he's not a bad pick at that point in this draft, especially in a right. draft master where you don't have to worry about which weeks to start him. Yeah. Yeah, well, and again, though, I I, I, I took Benson in the 1250 dynasty, or the 1250 draft master at the FFPC, and I can count on my hand how many times I started him last year, and it's going to get a whole lot worse this year. So he's not on my radar at all to draft in any type of league. So. But Manningham, as a number three, fantastic pick. I love that New York Giant offense, and I love what I saw from Manningham. Matter of fact, I just think he is head and shoulders, the uh, he's the perfect type of complimentary receiver to Hakeem Nixon, that offense. I think he's going to – he just does a great job of stretching the field, and that's a dangerous, dangerous offense developing there in New York. I'm going to love watching that. 
Very good effort by Diesel here. He has all the positions on lockdown, and he backed it up, the tight end position, that had a little bit of question mark with a nice third tight end at the right time. Tony Moyaki, what a great rookie season for this kid. And the fact that he'll be able to just go one up, you know, go above what he did last year. Great effort. Let's move to John Haskell. We're running out of time, guys. 15 minutes left. Uh, John Haskell, FFPC champ last year. Three great running backs, Ray Rice, Peyton Hills, Michael Turner. Great wide receiver court and Marshall Harvin and Andola. I'm a fan of this team. Castle and Gerard. Here's where we start to part ways. I'm not sure that that is going to be able to get it done with this type of team, uh, this type of competition at the quarterback position. I would have liked to have seen another effort uh, to get a quarterback that can uh, get some yards, maybe like a Ryan Fitzpatrick there instead of, oh, he was gone. Okay, maybe if he could have taken Fitzpatrick instead of Gronkowski, he could have improved his tight end with a Jared Cook and a Ben Watson or Gresham. Maybe I might have liked that a little bit better, but, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. Good team, good effort. Uh, it's a contender, but I would have liked to have seen more from the quarterback position. Jim, I'll give you a thought. Well, it's definitely a concern. I mean, uh, Gerard, the, the team is definitely looking to, to try and move past him, although, he, you know, he had a decent season last year. If you break down his numbers, uh, he wasn't all that bad. Castle definitely had a good season, you know, definitely brought Bo back into, you know, viability again. So the, these are guys in this I, I feel safer, let's say, taking them in this kind of format than I would in the regular redraft league. Uh, but, again, if you if you take Gerard, then you pretty much almost have to at some point grab Gabbert just to be sure. All right, I'm on the clock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's, let's move on real quick. Let's, let's talk about Henry Muto's team. Um, he got Chris Johnson, Steven Jackson, Noshaw Moreno as his only running backs. Uh, definitely like the first two. We talked about Marino a little bit earlier. Uh, wide receiver, he's got Reggie Wayne, Jerry Macklin, Kenny Britt. Then he's got Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, and Mark Clayton. I mean, he's totally shooting for the fences here. He's going for these these big home run hitters. And, you know, again, that's what you need to do in yeah. this kind of format. Uh, you know, Randy Moss, maybe I don't take that chance. I'm a little scared off of the fact that he couldn't make it happen with three different teams last year. Uh, but you know what, if he does play somewhere, he's going to get you a couple of good games, so why not take the shot, uh, especially with what was left on the board. Um, he had, he has three tight ends in Aaron Hernandez, Heath Miller, and Lance Kendricks. Uh like that those combo. And Sam Bradford and Kyle Orton so far at quarterback. Uh, Orton, you have to be a little worried about if he'll be starting somewhere and where, but I do think he will be starting yeah. somewhere. Um, so I actually like that combo. Uh, I think he's got a strong team. I'm pretty sure he's going to take a couple of late running back chances and to help full out, fill out that running back roster. But so far, I like his team. Yeah. I do, too. You know, I mean, he, he's, he's got all bases covered and uh, looks pretty good uh, as far as that goes. Scott, Scott, who'd you go ahead and take, Bob? All right, I went ahead and took Jerome Simpson just as kind of a flyer threat in uh, Cincinnati. I like what I saw last year late in the season. We'll just take a flyer. We've got to take a lot more flyers at wide receiver. Let's go ahead and move on to Wayne Ellis' team. Roddy White, Miles Austin, Jermichael Finley, Austin Colley, Joe Adai, Johnny Knox, Flacco. I mean, look at those names on there, man. Every one of those is an impact player through six rounds. Uh, Joe Adai is not getting any love right now, obviously, because of the situation and the question marks. 
All right, we've got to take a defense here. Tampa defense is uh, Tampa defense is ours. We're going to move on, get a defense out of the way because there are about ten to twelve of those gone. I don't want to get uh, I don't want to miss out on getting a defense. Uh, let's move on with Wayne's team here, Pierre. Thomas, yeah, but you know what the sleeper defense is this year? The sleeper defense to have this year is going to be Carolina. There you go. Well, they were dead Ron last. Ron Rivera they... taking over that defense. He's going to turn that defense around in one season. He's done it everywhere. Well, that's a that's a sleep at the wheel defense right there. Demarco Murray, Shane Vereen, Kendall Hunter. You talk about taking throwing some darts here. Wayne Ellis has taken uh, some darts and maybe hey. Maybe Frank Gore goes down. Maybe DeMarco Murray gets the starting job. Maybe Shane Vereen is the starter. He's got three guys right there that fit into that Delaney Carter-type mold where, hey, that's why I took a stab at him because those guys could easily be the starter the entire way. So you got to like the fact that he was able to grab three potential rookies there, uh, three potential starters, 10th round or greater. And I'll bet you I'm going to go on record and say one of those guys leads their team in rushing. I don't know which one. Murray, Shane Vereen, or Hunter, uh, Mike, take your pick. Which one do you think leads their team in rushing? Any of those uh, or none? Vereen, I don't think it will be, but Hunter, possibly. I don't think it will be Vereen, but uh, next year, 2012, Vereen, absolutely. All right, Jim, real quick from you. We've got time for uh, an answer to that. I, I like Kendall Hunter the most out of those that trio. I think he's the best runner out of the three. Um, next year, Gore is a free agent, so Kendall Hunter next year is pretty much almost guaranteed the starting job. Uh, he'll definitely be the number two this year. He's much better than Anthony Dixon is. Um, so I, I definitely like Kendall Hunter a lot. I thought that was an excellent pick. We have breaking news to report in the red versus blue chat room. The talk here in New York, this is from Diesel. The talk here in New York is that a deal is getting done in the National Football League. Uh, a deal is getting done after July the 4th, after the 4th of July weekend. So let's hope that he knows what the hell he's talking about. Scott Schutte, uh is in this draft and starts off with Calvin Johnson, Wes Welker, Des Bryant as his wide receivers, running backs Jonathan Stewart, Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, Roy Helu, Mike Colbert, Mike Goodson, Josh Freeman, Mercedes Lewis, Greg Olson, Scott looks like he uh, went heavy with the wideouts, the, 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 the core wideouts, and then kind of went uh, weak with the running backs. The quarterback uh, is, hey, Freeman and Mercedes Lewis, you can't knock those guys. Those guys could both be top ten in their position again, you know, this year. I know, I know Freeman uh, was right there on the cusp, and Mercedes Lewis was a top five tight end. Jim, did you watch NFL Network the other day with Chris Cooley named Mercedes Lewis his fifth-best tight end in the league? Yeah, no, I saw that. And uh, absolutely, Mercedes Lewis, he was playing for a contract, and he did everything he needed to do. You can't fault him for that. Uh, Josh Freeman, in in most scoring systems, was actually the number seven quarterback last year, so he definitely got it done last year. But a lot of that was helped by a monster week 16. Still, Still a little too inconsistent, but, again, in this format, that doesn't matter. I love the Roy Helu pick. I, I, I've listened to all the criticisms. I've read all the, the thoughts on Roy Helu. When I watch him, he passes the test for me. Everybody's different. I look at the way he runs. I think he'll transition very well. Uh, I'm not worried about breaking a lot of tackles. All I'm looking for is a, is a guy that can make plays. And Nebraska, 
he had a lot of holes and he ran through them great. I just like the way he plays, and I, and I think the game's going to transition just fine. So good effort by Scott. Greg's team, the letter publisher. Let's take a look at this team real quick. Romo, Fitzpatrick, and Henny. He's got three deep there. That's what you got to do. If you don't get the all-star, you got to go at least three deep. Then you get uh, running backs, LaShawn McCoy, Felix Jones. That's LaShawn McCoy light. Fred Jackson starts. Love that lineup. Greg Jennings, Mike Williams, the other Mike Williams, Emmanuel Sanders, Anthony Armstrong, a little weak at tight end with Ben Watson and Kevin Boff. I think that was the best season Ben Watson ever had. I don't look for him to repeat. If he's weak anywhere at that tight end, but, guys, Greg just put forth a very solid effort against some top competition. Yeah, I like his team. I agree with you on the tight ends. Um, you know, I, I think Watson can have another decent year. McCoy looks to him often, uh, so I, I don't I don't see that as being such a bad pick. Uh, right now, Kevin Boss is a, a free agent. We don't know where he ends up. Uh, hopefully for him, he actually doesn't come back to New York because New York doesn't use him correctly. Uh, if he lands yeah. on another team that really wants to put him involved, the, the kid can definitely play the position. He catches the ball well. He runs well. Um, he, he'd be better off in a different offense. All right, let's move on. We've got Billy Wasowski here with Rodgers, Forte, Ryan Williams, Ryan Grant, LT. Love that start so far. Dwayne Bowe, Brandon Lloyd, I love Lloyd, Anquan Bolden, Dion Branch, fantastic. Chris Cooley, Dustin Keller, Paul Tabor, Arizona, Andy Dalton, Cole McCoy. This team, Billy did it again. No weakness on that squad. So, very good effort by Billy Wasowski, Billy Waz. Glenn Lowy, we've been looking forward to Glenn's draft. So, Jim, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, start this one. You finish it up. Peyton Manning and Vernon Davis, solid at quarterback and tight end. And then look at the uh, combination of wide receivers and running backs. Well, he's got Akeem Nix. He's got A.J. Green, Jacoby Ford, Lance Moore, and Denario Alexander. Um, definitely love the Nix pick. Uh, you, you know, definitely a top wide receiver this year for me. Uh, A.J. Green is definitely a kid that has great upside. Uh, you know, going to take a little bit of a hit with the, the short off season and the possibility of Andy Dalton being the uh, starting quarterback there. But the kid is multi-talented. All you got to do is get him the ball, and he'll make things happen. I really love Jacoby Ford coming into this year. I I can't emphasize yeah, I that enough. Um, he he just had an outstanding end of the year, and just watching him play, you just saw some amazing things that he did. Uh, I, I I really think he's being undervalued. I love that pick. Lance Moore is another guy I love that's always undervalued. And Denario Alexander, he's a crapshoot. You know who knows how how that whole St. Louis wide receiver mix uh, comes out. But you know at that point in the draft, why not take a crapshoot? Alexander looked good in a couple games last year. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I love Jacoby Ford. Uh, you know, he's got a ton of upside. We all, we always talk about the upside, but uh, Jim, I mean, he he he's got what it takes. I mean, all it takes is that one breakout year, and next thing you know, he he's just like an Arian Foster. I mean, that's all it takes is that one year. All right, guys, yeah. we've, got, uh, we've got Rich Dunn. We talked about Rich earlier in the program. Four straight running backs, MJD, Frank Gore, Matthews, and Ingram. Uh, monstrous start to the game. Uh, and then all he's got to do is start throwing darts at wide receivers because he's only got to start two or three every week with that type of running back situation. Cutler and Campbell, a little weak. Owen Daniels and Gresham, a little weak. I'm sorry, I'm not going to say Owen Daniels and Gresham's weak because it's not. That's, 
That's more yeah. than formidable. Uh, yeah, I was going to have to start arguing with you there. <laughs> yeah, I love Owen more Daniels. <laughs> yeah, you got you've got to love Owen Daniels, especially when he's healthy. I'm thinking about last year and the year when he did get hurt. He he's going to be back in that offense to be involved. He's just got to start throwing some darts and some wideouts to make sure he can cover it because you never know what Rice and Edwards, again, those are long ball guys, though. I like the strategy. You're going for the long ball. Lee Evans, another long ball guy. I'm starting to see a theme here with this guy. So, uh, uh, Rich But you're right. He's going to have to take a couple more shots at wide receiver, no doubt. Hey, you know what? Jim, thanks for uh, joining us. We've got 60 seconds left in the program. I want to thank you for being part of us, man. You helped us get through this. I'm on the clock now. I've got to take a guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a dart here and take a Dexter McCluster because I think he's gonna be a running back for for. So I'm interested to see what they do with that pick. I'm gonna take him. Uh, Mike, thanks for always being a part of Red versus Blue. And thank you to Greg Ambrosius, the NFFC, all of the NFFC veterans for joining us tonight. We look forward to uh, breaking down this draft on the on the chat rooms and the draft boards. Uh, the message boards at the NFFC, nffc.stats.com. We will see you guys, uh, and we're going to talk about the high stakes industry like you've never heard it before next Friday night on Red versus Blue. Sounds good. Jim, Mike. Thanks, guys. Thanks I appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. We'll, we'll see you guys next week. You've been listening to Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.